temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Welcome to the best of the Joe show where we run back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours TGIF I'm Dan Day take a deep breath it is the very very beginnings of a sports weekend indulge and of course we'll be there with you every step of the way having a whole lot of fun because after all it is Friday on the way I have got some Hawkman highlights and Crowder crowd pleasers Right now, let's do some headlines. Antonio Brown is no longer a Patriot. The team parted ways with the receiver just 11 days into his time with the team. The Jags defeated the Titans last night 20-7. The Dolphins, with new starting quarterback Josh Rosen, play the Cowboys Sunday at 1. It took a last-second 53-yard touchdown pass to help Tulane complete a comeback win against Houston yesterday. Tonight, in the college ranks, Utah versus USC and Air Force takes on Boise State, both beginning at 9. The Canes play Central Michigan and former Florida coach Jim McElwain tomorrow at 4. Listen to it here on 560 The Joe. Despite having lost 99 games so far this season, the Marlins have decided to give manager Don Mattingly a two-year extension. Tonight at 710, the Fish take on the Nats here in Miami. The Panthers were defeated by the Canadiens last night 5-4. Preseason continues for Florida tomorrow night in Dallas against the Stars. Reports say Daryl Macon is in the running for the Heat's final roster spot. The former Arkansas guard did play for Miami in the 2018 Summer League, and Manchester City's David Silva is expected to sign with Inner Miami. The team also holds five picks in the upcoming MLS expansion draft. And now, let's take a step into the day spa. A Pastaforian pastor from the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster recently led the opening prayer at a local government meeting in Alaska. Wait, wait, let me repeat that. That's a lot. A Pastafarian pastor from the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster recently led the opening prayer at a local government meeting in Alaska. You can't make this stuff up. Check out all the details on my Twitter page, at Dan Day Radio. Just the other day, a raccoon took a 16-mile ride on the top of a Fort Myers Wonder Bread truck. Sounds like me, but instead of a bread truck, it would be a Yingling 18-wheeler. Now on to weather, brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast calls for rain with temperatures in the low 80s. Visit Hylia Park Casino every Saturday and win your share of $10,000 in giveaways. Drawings all day long and it's free to enter. Visit HyliaPark.com for more details. Oh yes, football season in a full swing. Everyone enjoying the action and everyone getting ready for it this weekend. So this morning, Joe Rose and the guys, they teamed up with Mike Florio talking Dolphins and Bud Light going hand in hand, the league stepping in to stop tanking, the Minka trade, and some of the topics on everyone's mind, especially now. Antonio Brown, Daniel Jones, Jalen Ramsey.
Mike Florio from ProFootballTalk.com. It's brought to you by Bud Light, official sponsor of the Miami Dolphins this football season. Keep it crisp with Bud Light. Please drink responsibly. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Boy, a lot of Bud Light's going to be consumed trying to watch the Dolphins this year, huh? <laughs> uh, that is oh, correct, oh. sir. That is correct. Hey, Responsibly. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Please drink responsibly. Right, right. Hey, hey Mike, I want to ask you. I saw an article that the league, after the season's over, might step in so nobody else tries what the Dolphins are doing with this rebuild, that the way they're losing by, by so much, if it continues this way, do you think the league says, hey, not not a not a good look for the other 31 teams, or what are your thoughts? Well, it's not a good look, but there's nothing the league can do about it. What would the league do? And I think the league is reluctant to acknowledge that tanking is even a temptation in the NFL. The great disconnect for the NFL at the end of every season, when teams are no longer alive for playoff berths, they're supposedly doing everything they can to win as many games as possible because it's about the integrity of the game. Meanwhile, you're rewarded for being bad. The worse you are, the higher you climb in the standings. This is the first time we've seen a team turn that into a full-season NBA-style trust-the-process tank job. But right. the problem for the NFL is they don't want to acknowledge. You don't want to start down that path of even considering – the teams are doing anything other than trying to win every single game they play. Best example of why the NFL doesn't want to even acknowledge the temptation to tank is the fact that the NFL doesn't have a draft lottery. Think of how big a draft lottery would be for the NFL. Oh my it would be another off-season tentpole event. They would move it from city to city, put it in one of the cities that has the, the best chance of getting the first overall pick, and it would be the top news story, and the NFL would continue to dominate all the other sports in America. But they don't want to go down that path because they don't want to do anything that would represent an acknowledgement that, you know what, in December, once you know your team's not going to make it to the playoffs, it probably is good to lose. And when you stretch it out and extrapolate it to a full season where Stephen Ross has said, we could try to address a few holes and go 9-7 and seven and make it to the playoffs, but that's not what we want to do. We want to compete for Super Bowls. So, Look, I don't know how legislate against it, and if you're the NFL, you don't want to acknowledge that Pandora's box is open. So I don't know what the NFL could do or would do, because to do anything, they'd have to admit that there's a temptation to tank, and historically, they've refused to do that. Mike, they're not going to change that draft system. The three days have been very popular in every city, and the ratings keep going up. They are not going to change that. Do you agree? Well, what would you change it to? Well, I mean, to go to an NBA style. Well, well, but but even but but still, if you do a lottery, you still have to do the draft. You do an NBA style to determine the draft order, and then you have the draft. So I think it would enhance the draft. A a draft there, there is every reason for the NFL to have a draft lottery with weighted balls based upon how how uh, you know how bad you are, and it's not a lock that if you're the worst team, you're going to get the the first overall pick. But it just acknowledges that there is an incentive to sink. That's what the NFL has now. It's a firewall between doing everything you can to win football games from September to December and, hey, look at this. Here's the draft order, and it's great to have the highest possible pick. And there's never an acknowledgement of how the team got the highest possible pick. And, and so that, that my, my broader point is this. There's nothing they can do. Right. So I think they'll do nothing. I think the only lottery they should do this year is if either give the Dolphins the first, second, and third pick in the draft or just let it go with <laughs> 1, 11, and like 22, which it might end up with anyway. The Pittsburgh trade, by the way, for Minka, that was good because of the fact that Pittsburgh might stink, right? Is that, that's, that's the whole point of that, to try to get a top-five pick there. And I don't know why the Steelers did it, because if they stink, they get themselves in a position to draft a quarterback who would be the heir to Ben Roethlisberger, although maybe they have him in Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph actually looked better last week running the offense than Ben did, and... 
you know, I, I don't know what the future holds for Roethlisberger. Everybody's saying all the right things now. Oh, we expect him to be back next year. He'll be fine. He's not exactly the kind of avocado, avocado ice cream eating uh, pliability <laughs> expert like Tom Brady, who's going to do everything he can to play as deep into his 40s as possible. This is a guy who rolls off the couch. He told Chris Sims in an interview at training camp, he really doesn't do much of anything by way of throwing the football in the offseason, and his body's starting to break down. Yeah. So you get through not even two regular season games, a game and a half, and your elbow revolts against you. What's going to happen next year? Is it going to be a calf muscle? Is it going to be an Achilles? Is it going to be a quad? Is it going to be a back? I mean, what's it going to be? But once this starts to happen, that's when Father Time is in the process of whacking him over the head with that big giant clock. And, uh, you know, I don't think we can rule out the possibility that, that Ben is uh, is at the end or, or maybe very close to it. All right. Uh, got to have a week with Antonio Brown. What's your thoughts on this latest group text that was sent out? A little intimidation to the lady. How serious can this be, Mike? Well, the Patriots need to fire him. And I practiced employment law for years, and when you would have an investigation in the workplace where one employee makes an accusation against the other, if there's any type of retaliation or intimidation by the person who's accused, they're gone. And the NFL, through the personal conduct policy, has expanded the workplace to include the entire world now because if you violate the personal conduct policy anywhere, on the clock, off the clock, in season, out of season, on company time, on your own time, in the country, out of the country, if you violate the personal conduct policy, you're subject to discipline. And what Antonio Brown was trying to do here, he wasn't retaliating against somebody who has made an official complaint of misconduct. He was retaliating and intimidating someone who could be making an official claim of misconduct, which makes it even more sinister. He's trying to shout her down. He's trying to scare her away from actually saying to the NFL, this guy did something to me inappropriate, or filing a lawsuit, or going to the police, or taking advantage of any, any of the avenues that are available to her. And I, I, I think that, and, and look, we don't know what the NFL found out in 10 hours of interviewing Brittany Taylor, the woman who's accused Antonio Brown of sexual assault and rape in a civil lawsuit. 10 hours, though, tells me that they got a lot of information from her, whether they believe it or not remains to be seen. But you throw this on top of it, and it's a horrible look for the league. It's a horrible look for the Patriots. And I won't be surprised if by the end of the day, He's either on a commissioner exempt list or cut by the Patriots, or how about, both. How about wow. The end, how about at the end Another of the day story. with his lawyer, too, on that group text oh, message? Oh, how bad is that for that's that That's not a guy. good look for Heitner, well, right? Just because you call yourself a sports lawyer doesn't make you an expert in all the nuances of the various legal issues that may come up for an athlete. I mean, I, it's, it's kind of ludicrous when you think about it. It's like saying I'm, I'm a car salesman lawyer. I mean, car salesmen have the whole gamut of legal issues. They need wills. They get into car accidents. They they get sued. They sue people for business transactions. They have a sexual harassment plan. These are very specific niche areas of the law. And to hold yourself out as a sports lawyer does not mean you know a damn thing about how to properly handle situations like this. And I, I, I was alarmed, and I think it's even more alarming that Antonio Brown thinks it's okay. The nonchalance of this, to send these group text messages, which include the accuser and his own lawyer, it just tells me the guy is clueless. He's got no compass as to what's right or wrong or what he should or shouldn't be doing. And I've said this several times about Antonio Brown in the past week or two. Behind that smile, there's some stuff going on there, and we've become more and more aware of it. And this is just really, in the grand scheme of things, a recent development, the last 13 or 14 months, where that facade has been peeled back. And there's a bad guy floating around in there, and we're getting more and more evidence of it all the time.
peeling back the layers of the onion, Ooh, right? Man, That's what's happening uh, uh, right bad now. Bad stuff. What do we do with uh, Eli Manning? Stay and does he stay and back this kid up and be a good soldier? What happens? Well, I look at it this way. If the Giants had done the right thing and made Daniel Jones the week one starter, because by making him the week three starter, they're essentially admitting we should have made him the week one starter. If they made that decision two weeks ago, you're looking at paying $11.5 million in base salary to a backup quarterback. And that salary becomes fully guaranteed week one if you're a vested veteran with four or more years of service. It's the termination provision pay of the CBA. Eli Manning would have been entitled to all that money, and he is now. He's entitled to all of it if they cut him. I still think they need to just move on from him. Whether it's a trade where they pay part of the salary, right. whether they just cut him and bite the bullet, whether he retires. It's amazing to me how, how divergent the opinions are on this topic because people think that the Giants owe it to him or something like that. That's how they got this problem in the first place. They don't owe this guy anything. They have cut countless guys who were part of their two Super Bowl teams. In fact, Eli's probably the only one left, right? At some point, you've got to pull the Band-Aid all the way off. And right now they're walking around with a Band-Aid that is half off and half on. Right, because it, it hurt to pull off half of it, and they don't want to go through the pain right now of pulling off the other half. So they're just going to let it dangle for a while. That's not good for anybody. It's not good for Daniel Jones. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to continue to stink because they don't have anything by way of talent, especially defensively. The Giants are going to get pushed into putting Eli back on the field at some point in Oof. December oh, to let man. him go out playing like Joe Montana from San Francisco in 1991. And, and I think it's better off just to not have the guy around. Right? If Daniel Jones struggles, is it going to be a whisper, whisper campaign against Daniel Jones or the other Manning's going to get involved? I think it's better off just to move on from Eli Manning and, and go all in with Daniel Jones like they should have done before the season even started. All right, real quickly, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, is he traded this week? Is he gone? Or they, they've got to be getting some sweet deals offered to him. Well, they shouldn't trade him. They should acknowledge he's the best cornerback in the game. They should make him happy. They should pay him. That's, there's a way to salvage it with a big, giant bag of money. And if they would give it to him now, that may make him feel differently about whether or not he wants to leave. It's, it's how he's treated. It's how he's regarded by the team that has him wanting out. If they are going to trade, they're in a great spot because th- think about it. If, if, whether it's the Patriots or the Chiefs or the Seahawks or the Rams, any elite team that is thinking about making this trade, there's value not just in getting him, but in keeping him away from somebody you're going to compete, be competing with to get to the Super Bowl. If the Chiefs are thinking about getting him, hey, we're keeping away from the Patriots. And you know how the Patriots are. They'll swoop in out of the blue, unnoticed, undetected. They'd be keeping him away from the Chiefs. The Cowboys, would they get involved? Well, you know what? If the Eagles are thinking about signing him, it almost reminds me of, even though it wasn't a great free agency signing, remember when Nandi Ostermall was a free agent in 2011 and all those teams were lining up right. and all of a sudden here come the Eagles and they got the deal done and no one saw it coming? I feel like there's somebody out there yep. who is keeping their mouth shut and they acknowledge the value in getting this guy because we have him and our opponents don't. And uh, that makes me think they're going to be able to get what they want in Jacksonville if they decide to go ahead and go through with this trade. Mike, thank you. You, you were strong. strong. Mike, strong you were, you were very strong today. Even your tone of voice was outstanding. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, you're being great. All right, guys. Take care. There you have it, Mike Florio saying this morning the Patriots need to fire Antonio Brown. Lo and behold, what happened about an hour ago? Mm, 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 mm. I can tell you this, Joe Rose is going to be covering the Dolphins-Cowboys game this Sunday. Kickoff at 1 o'clock, pregame, postgame, the whole game right here 
on 560 The Joe. Up next, Dan the Man Levitard talking fisticuffs. This is the Best of the Joe Show. Welcome back to the Best of the Joe Show. It's Dan Day. Give us a follow on Twitter at 560WQAM and at Dan Day Radio. Always try to put up some kind of crazy things for you to read on my Twitter page. Dan Levitard, he's a legend in the game because he's kind of crazy too. Does things different. Doesn't just talk sports. Also has fun and talks life on his sports show earlier today. He and the team kept it as close to sports as they possibly can. Talking dugout fights, which I love. Manager umpire fights being a thing of the past. I hope that's not true because I kind of like the manager umpire fights. And Doc Rivers, a quotable like Doc Rivers. Like when he makes great quotes. Three for three right there. So let's give it a listen. It's the best of the Joe show. I think maybe I'll start every show this way from now through the end of time. Uh, the thing that Stugat says as the microphones come on, our show has started, but he feels the need to launch something into the shipping container right before we've started that isn't interesting to anybody. Uh, today, he just shouted, I heard Rob Dibble this morning. You have an illness. I do. Okay. You've got like a sickness. There's something we've got to diagnose you. Um, I, what is the context of you shouting at them? I heard Rob Dibble this morning. Dibs, uh, the open there had Rob Nen. Mike was talking about Rob Nen, and I just wanted to let Mike know. And I think everyone was excited that I heard from Rob Dibble this morning. I'm certain everyone was wondering what happened to Dibs. Used to work at the network. Now he works at a local affiliate in Harford. How didn't, about that? He, didn't he get into a fight with Lou Pinella? Wow. Yes. Yeah, I believe he did. Legendary fight. Yep. Why were you listening to a local Hartford affiliate? Because I was listening to Golik and Wingo on the drive-in. They have this eliminator pool going on, which I am a part of, and Rob Dibble is also a part of it. And so Dibs had to make his pick, and therefore I heard Dibs. Hey, Dibs, weren't you concerned? All right, thanks, Dugats, for all of that. Uh, feel free at any point to do your actual job here when the microphones go on. Hey, look, you can't deflect on him. You went there. It's right. not, well, no, because it's distracting. It's yeah. not merely that he doesn't do his job as the microphones start. It's that he keeps you guys from doing your job because he's shouting things like that into the other room that require explanation. I want to know from the room. You guys heard it. There was no back and forth. The show had already started. You guys tell me what the honest reaction was in that room to him shouting in right as we're starting to try and do our job. You guys tell me what the honest reaction was to hearing, I heard dibs this morning. I had him tuned out. I didn't hear it at all. Is it the same for all of you? Yeah, basically, yeah. I thought that he said I heard Rob Riggle this morning, and I got really excited, yeah. and then I put it together. Oh, he said Rob Dibble, and I was less excited, but still excited. Thank you, Riggs. A smile washed over my face, because then I began thinking about that time that Rob Dibble and Lou Pinella fought in the clubhouse. Lou Pinella in full Thank uniform. You. Can you imagine nice. if that nice. happened today? Nice. And now I'm watching the video, and Lou Pinella was about to get dragged by old Dibbs. <laughs> That's why I do it, Dano. I mean, listen, it's just a conversation amongst friends. I mean, you do it. I because... see you trying to break me in this room up, and I'm telling you, there's a bond there that cannot be broken. Yeah, except they, for Roy, who just they don't listen it. to you. That's the bond. <laughs> They've learned to half of the room has learned to tune you out. The other one hears you wrong, and one of them has just sort of grown immune. To your perpetual uh, peppering. What are you watching? The fight in the so dugout? I, Billy says he's never seen the fight. Oh, are you kidding fight. me? Billy, Billy, hold on a second. Call it up on YouTube YouTube, and uh, and YouTube. watch this fight uh, between uh, Pinella and uh, and uh, Dibs. I want you to watch this, and I want you to imagine uh, what it is 
that uh, it would be like if today something like that happened. A hurly burly manager, a hurly burly with a burly manager, uh, Lou Pinella, He perpetually, as a player, had the red ass, like always did. He just perpetually. <laughs> oh man, he, he was always mad at everybody, <laughs> and he decided he was going to attack one half of the nasty boys. Several <laughs> things made me laugh out of this. Pinella's in full uniform. Dibble's in tight blue jeans. There's a guy wearing a Flex All 454 shirt. <laughs> and at the end, Vanilla is saying, you don't want to be treated like a man. Sweet Lou. And is that Eric Davis? With yeah, the that's Eric Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Davis had one of the great, I think, rookie seasons of all time and then kind of flamed out afterward. Is Sweet Lou like an ironic nickname for Lou Pinella? I don't know how he, I think, was it his swing? Because he was a very solid 300 hitter uh, that to, in today's day and age didn't hit enough home runs for his size. Um, in today's day and age, he wouldn't be much of a player. Certainly that body type wouldn't play much today, I don't think. Um, and so he decided that it was a good idea to just charge headfirst into his crazy reliever who was standing in front of uh, his locker. It's like one of those, like uh, calling a big guy, a heavyset guy, slim. One of those uh, sarcastic nicknames. Then I went down the Google wormhole and I found, like, why was Tiny Archibald called Tiny? Was he tall or actually tiny? And he was six foot one, same size as Bob Cousy. So why did they call him Tiny? Right. Was Speedy Claxton fast? He was. Yes, he was. <laughs> Good job, Stu Gatz. Excellent work. Thank you for you. confirming uh, my report. Pinella. You got it. By the way, Sweet Lou, Dan, just so you know, 291 career hitter, 16 seasons in the majors, had 102 home runs. So <laughs> it, it was a sweet swing. Uh, Guillermo, did you see, have you remembered uh, Pinella's uh, throwing of second base when mad at an umpire? You do remember that when he was a manager, right? Yeah, we were talking the other day about it. Like, that's the part of baseball that I miss the most yeah. is the fact that there's no arguing with umpires anymore because of replay review. Like, that is the one thing, aside from the fact that, like, whatever, they're looking through very slow things, and any call that could go either way, it's, like, super precise now. Aside from that, replay has ruined the fact that you can't have managers run on the field anymore, grab bases, throw bases. You missed that. I think dirt. we all missed that, don't we? Even though it was one of the silliest things in the world. Oh, it was one of the best things An in old man dressed like the athletes running out onto the field to argue a call that was rarely overturned. But I feel like Aaron Boone and Brett Gardner have been arguing with umpires the entire season. Bob Bobby, have been. Bobby Cox would be thought of so differently if he managed in today's era. He would just be a frumpy old guy as opposed to the fun guy that's going to get ejected 17 times a season. <laughs> it is. So you miss it too? You miss uh, I do. Put it on the poll at Lebitard Show. Do you miss the arguing uh, with umpires? I always wondered with Bobby Cox going out there, what is the thing that he did? Because there was always one thing where it was like, oh, it had to be a word. That's what I'm saying. I'm always wondering what that word was. And when he decided, now's the time to drop (laughs) this word in, because you'd see him going, and the umpire's putting up with it, and then he gets to the point, and it's like, you're out of here. There is no, there's there's absolutely an unwritten code between umpires and managers. I think it was it. was it Major League that chronicled this, or or was it uh, was it a different movie that there are certain words you cannot say to an umpire? For some reason, I think it's uh, Bull Durham. I think Bull right? Durham is what it was. All right, the wormhole has continued, and now I'm just watching Carlos Zambrano highlights. Oh. This dude was out of control. <laughs> yeah, when Lou Pinella is telling you to calm down, is that he almost we, killed Michael Barrett? Is that who we think of when we think of dugout fights? Is Carlos Zambrano the first guy? Papelbon. Papelbon. Dugout. Uh, Pap. Dugout fights. Dugout. Oh, Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent is a good one. Jeff Kent is the guy I think of for yeah. dugout fights. Chris Davis. Zambrano. For generation. 
Let me think about this for a second. This is a good conversation right here. Word association, baseball player you associate with dugout fights because Papelbon absolutely is one. Chris Davis is one. Zambrano uh, was certifiably uh, crazy. I'm just watching a video of him throwing out an umpire. (laughs) (laughs) Zambrano was thrown out. He's crazy. He just starts throwing out the umpire. Were Billy Billy Martin and Reggie Jackson the first to get in a dugout fight? Because I feel like at the time, like, that's not something that you do is disrespect your manager, right? I feel like before there was more respect I wonder, for managers. That's a good question. I'm, because that, I'm thinking of George Brett, but that's different. That's him exploding yeah. out of the dugout. Yes. Doesn't, it's a wholly different situation. Doesn't the United States of Tortorella mix it up? Mm, no, I haven't really he seen hasn't, him mix it up I, think, I, I think I no. remember him vividly trying to go at another coach, like trying to climb the glass and fight another coach on the opposite side. Oh, uh, yeah. No, the coach versus coach fights in hockey is I'm, pretty funny. I'm surprised we don't see more bench like their own team fighting with each other in hockey because they're so like aggressive on the ice but you don't ever really see <laughs> fighting each other yeah i mean i think no. you would see, see that. that in practice that happens in practice a lot actually interesting hockey analysis right there at the end uh did anyone have an answer to my dugout fights question though which is what we were talking about you know the george brett incident was protested right and I'm pretty yes. sure that they said, you know what, we were wrong, and they restarted the game. They from did, there. yeah. I think Don Mattingly was playing second base in that game. Yeah, they restarted the game. They played. They absolutely made a different ruling in the Pine Tar game and made the Yankees and Royals play the bottom half or the, oh, the yeah. ninth inning. Roy totally undersold the United States of Tortorella. Dude is a serial fighter. I'm watching a video in which he's in a tight hallway going at all the Calgary Flames. Yeah. Aren't you glad I brought up dibs? Oh, apology, anything. I have the first fight, dugout fight, going back to 1974. I'll keep searching. How did you guys like uh, Doc Rivers talking about all the Kawhi stuff? The quotes were pretty spectacular. Like, he really let you look in on exactly how and what was happening with the Clippers. He's already walked it back. Oh, I'm sorry. We, we, he says that they gave him, a, they gave Kawhi Leonard a list to pick from of players. And now I already see the spin. We shouldn't have done that. We Wait a minute. Have given him a list. He's walking it back. Here are some of the well, quotes. Well, he's apologizing. We shouldn't have done that. We shouldn't have given him a list. We didn't even know if we could get these guys. Yeah, but what kind of apology is it when tampering? He, he's already been I knocked. Know, I know, but when he <laughs> says of the, according to Arash Marchese, the thought of Kawhi Leonard on the Lakers was too much for Doc Rivers. He talked Steve Ballmer talked to him when their deal uh, was dead, and he told Balmer, we cannot allow that to happen. Uh, I told Steve jokingly, if that happens, we're moving the team to Seattle. I really believed it. Uh, he says of meeting Kawhi at his home in Malibu, he said, quote, I want to play for you. And he pointed at me. He said, Mr. Balmer, I love the things you do and what you stand for, but your team is not good enough. And if you don't change your team, I'm not coming. Doc on tampering. We were warned that no more Clippers players, coaches, or employees could go to games in Toronto. We were sending guys to go sit in the stands. There's nothing wrong with what we were doing, but Steve Balmer sitting courtside in Toronto seemed a little strange. <laughs> the Clippers prepared a list of possible players to get quote we just showed him guys that we thought would match him and when he saw paul george's name he said i want to play with him we showed him everybody else and he didn't want to hear it he just stayed on paul george steve balmer was nervous these are all quotes from doc rivers steve balmer was nervous about the picks i said steve you keep saying six picks for paul george is insane but you're saying it wrong it's not six for paul it's six for paul and Kawhi. so three for each i would do that you have to look at it in those terms. And uh, Doc found out the deal was done while he was at, at Nobu, of course. 
Quote, I, w- I walked back into Nobu with a whole different attitude. Our waiter was a Lakers fan, and the news hadn't broken yet, but I knew. He kept telling me, we're going to get Kawhi. And I kept saying, I don't know about that. He's really swe- <laughs> he was really sweating it at Nobu. <laughs> uh, that was a beautiful time when the Lakers thought that they were getting Kawhi. <laughs> Doc thought he was going to Seattle. He says this as well, Doc does. A quote from Arash Marchese, the Lakers had a meeting with Kawhi, and they built this whole thing up for him to come to their new practice facility. And he said, nope, you can come to my hotel room but with us he said i'll come to your house it felt like he was telling us that he wanted to come here the lakers only got a hotel meeting that's a great job by Kawhi saying that to steve bomber it's also a great job by doc rivers explaining to steve bomber hey we're getting two guys here don't worry about them uh but mike what uh what is going to happen with the walking back of this like are they going to be now in any trouble because he's admitted that they just put a, a list of players in front of him yeah a bunch of players that they didn't have the rights to so I mean, Doc got fined for something that he said on one of these ESPN NBA playoff specials. So he's probably like, I probably shouldn't have done that considering my history. But is that tampering, though? Is it tampering? He's already said we should not have done it. But I'm asking you guys a question. I'm asking the audience a question. When Steve Ballmer has purchased something for $2 billion. I think so. I think it qualifies as tampering. And some of these offseason meetings, I don't know if you've seen the news about how the NBA plans to maybe stop some of the tampering. Oh, it's with much bigger, stiffer penalties. $10 million. Yeah, but have you read the details about how they're going to go about it? They're going to audit teams' text messages and emails five at random. And now all of a sudden the teams are clamoring for for tampering (laughs) rules. We're like, whoa, maybe we should do something different. This seems a little excessive, don't you think? What do you mean just five? They're just going to grab five random from? Five at random, and which, go through their phones? which at one at a certain point you got to start thinking this is a numbers game. I'm going to start playing fast and loose with these rules and tamper like a like a like a crazy person. What are you going to do? Thinking I'm not going to be one of those. You five. You're going to keep tampering. You're going to have Pat Riley grabbing an intern's phone and texting somebody. Like, how are you going to do? Back channel. Then, Maybe then, the target then, parking lot. Throw away phones. Wait, man, this, this this doesn't, that phones. doesn't feel burners. American. Burners, yeah, burners I mean, Brady and Goodell were fighting over his phone forever. What do you mean? <laughs> you want my phone? No. I'm not giving you my phone. Do you know what's in my phone? You'd have all sorts of other investigations that that would lead to. You can hear Dan Lebitard weekdays from 10 to 1. Up next, no. Stephen A. Smith. He's on a travel day, but his backups brought it strong, plus Hawkman highlights and Crowder crowd pleasers. It's the best of the Joe Show. The Best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day on a Friday. Weekend blessings to you. Spread your wings and fly a little bit this weekend. Stephen A. Smith, he spread his wings earlier today. He's flying out to a different area code so he can rant and rave about the NFL to a totally different group of people. He will be back on Monday right here at 560 The Joe WQAM. Filling in for him today, though, Dan Gracia and Chris Canty. They break down Thursday night football, even though they believe last night's Thursday night football was a necessary evil. The Jaguars' new hope, but what about Jalen Ramsey? Has Tom Coughlin learned his lesson? And I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Tannehill in Tennessee? And, I mean, the Thursday Night Football game, say what you want. It is what it is. It's a necessary <laughs> evil to some. Yeah, you have I'm to actually happy that we got it out of the way. We got it out of the, the way. Exactly. We're, we're getting it out of the way here. But, 
you know, not only was it you and I and everybody else that was home watching that game last night between the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars, which, by the way, doesn't that seem like it's becoming an annual occurrence? Like, mm. you get a Titans-Jaguars game on Thursday night, like, every year. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. that, that is a staple. That's the, that's the one the night. NFL really wants to put right. out there, right? Early in the season, get it out of the way, as you said here. And it wasn't just us. You even had the great Tom Brady chiming in on some of the festivities last night with that game. Obviously, the penalties are a big theme again. Way too many flags on the football field, as we've seen far too often here in the National Football League. And guess what? It's a problem that's probably not going away anytime soon. No, it's probably not going away. And then when you look at coaches and their conservative approach with their starters during the preseason, it's like the first quarter of the season, the first four games are an extension of the preseason. And that's why you see a lot of sloppy football. It takes a while for those starters to round into midseason form. And so on a short week, Thursday night game against a divisional opponent, the team that probably keeps themselves out of negative situations, the team that doesn't turn turn the ball over, that's probably going to be the team that puts themselves in position to be able to win those games. And it's not just the penalties, too. I think there's also probably a connection there with the injuries and these guys that are going down so frequently early in the season because you said they're not getting as much work necessarily in the preseason, maybe as it was accustomed to when you were playing and even mm-hmm. before that. It's a different time and it's a different world right now. But let's get into it here because it's time for straight talk. And when you put aside all the other nonsense, okay, there was a game to be played. Give the Jaguars credit. They came out, they punched the Titans in the mouth, and they were able to hang on for this victory. And Gardner Minshew, the legend of Gardner Minshew, grows again. <laughs> he gets a victory on national television, prime time, and by all accounts, played a pretty good football game. And I know that when he came out of college, you know, he's the type of quarterback, and there have been a lot of others in his shoes that come from a pass-happy offense like he played in for Mike Leach up there at Washington State, and they don't think that translates well into the NFL. Here's the bottom line, Chris. Gardner Minshew throws a good football. Okay, I don't care where he came from, and he's proving here in just a short amount of time he is a capable NFL quarterback, and the Jaguars are benefiting. Well, I hate to use the term game manager because I know a lot of people lean back on that as a crutch, but, I mean, that's essentially what Gardner Minshew has done for this Jacksonville Jaguars team. The best thing that he did last night was not turn the football over, and in a couple of critical situations, I thought he made the key pay. If you look at the um, the fourth uh, quarter in that possession that they had as a third and ten, you end up getting a DPI on Logan. Ryan. I mean, that was the right decision for Gardner Minshew to target DJ sure. Shark. And then you had the conversion later on in that drive to DJ Shark, a uh, 12-yard reception that ended up leading to the first down. They end up getting a field goal out of that drive, and they're able to ice the game. But to me, that's the difference. When your quarterback is able to set your team up and being able to do just enough to put them in positions to score points and not have a lot of those negative plays, I think that's the advantage that the Jacksonville Jaguars had last night over the Tennessee Titans. I don't want to take anything away from Marcus Mariota, but I mean, it's clear to me well, that we Gardner, can, though. but Marcus, Mark, listen, Marcus Mariota got outplayed by Gardner Menchu last night. And if you were to tell me that Marcus Menchu going into week three was going to be the guy to lead the Jags in that victory over the Titans, I would be really surprised. Well, here's the thing. And, and when you look at this AFC South and this division, look, they had a year a couple of seasons ago there where all the teams were kind of, well, a few of the teams were pretty good, right? But by and large, this has kind of been a forgotten division in the National Football League. You know, whether it's the Colts, the, you know, the Texans are the team, they're the butt of the joke, right? They'll win a division, they'll play a home playoff game and lose. That's what the Texans were, for example. But now you look at this division again, and I think with a a, a variety of circumstances, I don't think any team is running away with this. So if you're the Jaguars in this situation, and let's not forget, they aren't that far removed from a team that was this close to going to a Super Bowl. Nick Foles is going to be out here for a little bit because of the injury. Mm -hmm. Gardner Minshew, I think, is capable enough, if the defense is going to play as ferocious as they did last night, where they're going to sack the quarterback nine times and just be in their face nonstop, they're going to be good enough, I think, just to hang in this thing when Foles is ready to go, because I don't think anybody's running away with this division the way things are stacking up. No, I don't think anybody is. 
years running away from this division. Now you have to look at the Houston Texans as probably the favorite. If they can keep Deshaun Watson up right. win the division title. If they right. can keep Deshaun Watson healthy, and I know that's a big if, but in looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars, the identity of this team is going to be the defensive side of the ball. I mean, it's going to be Calais Campbell and Josh Allen and Yannick Ngakwe putting pressure on the quarterback, and then Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye Anchoring, anchoring the back end of that defense. That's what's going to have to lead this team if they're going to try to compete for a division title and a potential playoff berth. But the one thing that I have serious concerns about with this Jacksonville Jaguars team is whether or not these guys are buying into what Doug Marone is selling. I mean, the headline for this week with the Jacksonville Jaguars was the news about Jalen Ramsey right. and that blow-up that they had in Houston last weekend in that matchup against the Texans. And then you couple that with the decision that Doug Marone made at the end of that game to go for two, and then you look at the play call when he decided to go for two with giving the ball to Leonard Fournette on a running play. You have to scratch your head and you wonder whether or not Doug Marone is doing what's in the best interest of all of those guys on that football team. I mean, last year, this was a Jacksonville Jaguars team that quit on the head coach. And the reason why they quit was because they didn't feel like the quarterback play, Blake Bortles, was going to be good enough to give them a chance to be competitive week in and week out. So I'm wondering right now, was this win enough to kind of smooth things over in terms of Doug Marone's relationships with his players? I don't know about that because, look, it's still a long season. And you've got to win. It's a Thursday night, and it's something that, look, you got to break into the win column at some point. They did that here. You mentioned Doug Marone, though. You also have a guy upstairs in Tom Coughlin who is, again, of this old-school football mentality. And a lot of the animosity that's harbored right now in that organization as far as Jalen Ramsey is concerned, it's from comments that maybe a Tom Coughlin made. At least that's what we're led to believe or what he said on the podcast, right? Like other people higher up in the organization, you know, and Tom Coughlin was a guy, you know, you played for him, but when he was here coaching the New York Giants, his tenure ended kind of very unceremoniously and he had to deal with the Odell Beckham drama. It seemed like nonstop. He was the guy on the sidelines when Odell kind of lost his mind in that game against Josh Norman, for example, and it was a penalty after a penalty after a penalty. Maybe he learned his lesson from that. I don't know. So then now he, when he deals with a player who's maybe spouting off or has some things to say about the organization, like a Jalen Ramsey, he's going to fight fire with fire in this case. Well, I think you're conflating a little bit because when you look at Tom Coughlin's tenure with the Giants, I think what ultimately led to his undoing was Jerry Reese not being very good with the, with the draft well, and, it all not, comes down and, players. and, and right, not necessarily right, right. having a talent. The Giants had a loft issue. It was a lack of freaking talent. But if you look at the situation down there in Jacksonville, Tom Coughlin's no longer on the sideline. He's the guy that's actually buying the groceries. And when you look at some of the issues that the Jacksonville Jaguars have had, especially the guys on the defensive side of the ball, it's been about the contracts that have been given out. I mean, Yannick Ngakwe had a holdout this preseason. Jalen Ramsey pulled up the training camp in a Brinks truck. I mean, those guys, those which, guys, which was still great, by the way. Those guys haven't, haven't, haven't made it any secret about what they want. They want to get paid, but when you look at the organization's decisions to pay some guys, Brandon Linder, their center, they made him the highest paid center in football, paid him after his first three years. When you look at Andrew Norwell, a free agent bust from two years ago, he's getting paid $13 million a year. So when you look at those decisions by the organization, and then you couple that with the decision not to play productive players like Ngakwe, like Jalen Ramsey, I think those guys have a legitimate gripe in terms of what the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing and who they're allocating their cap resources to. And that leads us to Jalen Ramsey again. And you just brought up the question a couple of minutes ago, you know, is this enough to kind of simmer things down a little bit and cooler heads prevail, maybe feel good about yourself? The owner of this team, Shad Khan, has said, you know what, I want to keep Jalen Ramsey, or at least that's what we're led to believe. He wants to pay him, but yet Tom Coughlin's the guy who's making the decisions, as you said. I don't know if this is enough to then, let, let's say, let bygones be bygones. You'd have to ask Jalen Ramsey that. Are they a better football team with him? Absolutely. Is he an impact corner? 
Absolutely. He's as good as there is in the game, and he can help a lot of other teams out there, Chris, if not the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. I think when push comes to shove, if I'm Jacksonville, yes, it helps you keeping him on your football team, paying him for the foreseeable future, but don't you think you could probably get a nice haul in return, too, from somebody out there? At least the first-round pick and then some. No, absolutely. I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars have kind of floated it out there that the the starting price is two first-round draft picks. Now, I don't think it'll be a Khalil Mack-type haul for Jalen Ramsey, but I do think it's a first-round plus. Right. Uh, I do think it's legitimate to ask for a first-rounder and then maybe a second-round pick and then a mid-round pick. I think that's probably where this will end up landing if they do indeed decide to trade him. But if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars and I know how my football team is built, the way I'm going to win games is by my defense being able to keep games close. I mean, I'm already on my backup quarterback. I'm just trying to tread water until Nick Foles comes back. But even then, there's a question mark on whether or not Nick Foles is going to be capable of elevating the play around him of all the other guys for a sustained period of time. So, I mean, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's going to have to be defense that wins the day. And Jalen Ramsey gives you a lot of different options if you're a defensive coordinator in terms of the different blitzes, the different varieties that you can throw at opposing offenses. And this is no knock at all on Nick Foles. You brought it up, though. And he's a Super Bowl MVP. The guy, you know, wrote one of the great Cinderella stories of all time, what he was able to do with that Eagle team a couple of years ago. But let's remember, Chris, he took over a Super Bowl-ready team. You know what I mean? Carson Wentz had that team on the fast track to doing some great things. So he just kind of had to step in and not mess it up. Last year, they were still a good football team. When he took over late in the season, he won them a playoff team. Got an aid, you know, a little bit from the kicking situation Mm -hmm. there in Chicago, but still... But Nick Foles is also a guy who has not proven that he can even stay healthy and durable for a full season and put up these productive numbers. And that would be the concern I'd have if you're Jacksonville. On the flip side, though, let's go to Tennessee real quick. So I think it's a valid question. You brought up Mariota a, a few minutes ago. This is a huge season for him. It's a huge season for Jameis Winston and Tampa Bay. They both came into the league at the same time. This is put up or shut up seasons for a guy like Marcus Mariota. And the fact that we're three weeks into the season and we've already heard Ryan Tannehill's name potentially of going onto the field and taking over the reins of this offense, that would leave me a little bit unsteady if I'm a Titans fan thinking about the overall future of my quarterback. Yeah, that was the word right? on the street during training camp that Ryan Tannehill is pushing Marcus Mariota. That's Those are words that no head coach wants to hear when you're talking about what your QB1 situation is going to be once you kick off the regular season. But the fact is that the Titans organization made a significant investment. They drafted Mariota with the second overall pick five years ago, and now they're just going to see whether or not he can be the guy to lead them into the future. Now, you're talking about a team, despite the deficiencies on the offensive side of the ball, they've won nine games each of the last three years. Right. So, I mean, they, they've been right there in the conversation for being in the playoffs once we get to the last month of the regular season. But the question is whether Marcus Mariota is going to be worth the investment that you're going to have to make in him in order to keep him as your starting quarterback. I mean, starting quarterbacks, you're talking about paying them north of $25 million a year. I don't know. Do you think Marcus Mariota is worth that kind of money? If you're asking me right now, what is this, on September the 20th? No. Like, if I had to make the decision by 3 o'clock this afternoon, the answer is no. I have not seen enough. And that's you said 9-7. and seven. What happens if you would have had better quarterback play along the way? I mean, you think about this team. What's been? If I ask you, what's the identity of the Tennessee Titans offense? It's a strong run game, right? That's it. Strong run game more than anything Der- else. Derrick Henry. Bingo. Derrick Henry, and every now and again, an explosive play to Delaney Walker in the passing game. Exactly. So if I had better quarterback, 
quarterback play, don't you think maybe those nine wins goes up into double digits, 11-12? Now, look, Taylor Lewan is a big absence. You saw that last night, too, yep. the way they just teed off on him, and that's a big piece you're missing from the offensive line because of the suspension here. But right now, and this is a pretty big body of work. We're talking four or five years here. I need to see more. If I'm evaluating Marcus Mariota and I'm the one that has to make the decision, am I going to open up my checkbook and give this guy a lucrative multi-year contract and pay him in excess of $20 million a year? I need to see more. Well, here's the thing. When you decide to pay him that money, you're going to lose pieces elsewhere on your team. Absolutely. The Tennessee Titans Sacrifice. Have, they have a solid offensive line. They have a difference maker at tight end. They have a difference maker at running back. We'll see what that receiver group becomes with Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, but you look at the defensive side of the ball, and that's and that's the side of the ball that's really kept the Tennessee Titans in a lot of games the past three years, and oh, by the way, the identity of your head coach, he's a defensive guy. Mike Vrabel playing all those years for the New England Patriots, so you know that he wants to have a really strong unit on that side of the ball, so I just, I look at it from this standpoint. Is Marcus Mariota worth costing me pieces elsewhere on my team? Right now, I don't think the answer to that question is yes. I think it's a no, and unfortunately, the Tennessee Titans are going to be faced with that decision after this season, but you also have to look at it from this standpoint. What are your other options? Right. I mean, that, that, that's the other thing about it, because if Marcus Mariota is not your guy, then all of a sudden you're talking about Ryan Tannehill or somebody else that's going to be in the free agent marketplace. And newsflash, newsflash to sports fans, quarterbacks, guys that are true franchise quarterbacks, they're not in the free agent market. No. Teams don't let those guys go. So, I mean, you're going to talk about slim pickings once we get to next offseason. So the Tennessee Titans are in a tough spot. They're in a bind right now, and that's why this is such a big season for Marcus Mariota and for that organization. Real quick, going to give you the rundown weekdays here at the radio station. Mornings from 6 to 10, it's the Joe Rose Show. From 10 to 1, Dan Lebitard. 1 to 3, Stephen A. Smith. 3 to 6, Hawkman and a Crowder. Last night, I actually hung around the radio station a little later than normal and teamed up with the executive producer of Hawkman and Crowder, Alejandro Solana, to put together some Hawkman highlights and Crowder crowd pleasers. If you heard it an hour ago, you know you want to hear it again. If you did not hear it, it is must-listen radio, so I'm playing it for you right now. Hawkman, 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 Hawkman. Crowder, Crowder, Crowder crowd pleasers. Gambling is a lot more fun, a lot more fun when you're winning. Hawkman highlights. I remember I got a, a brain of an elephant. What a Crowder crowd pleaser. Ba with a ba, the bang, the bang, diggy, 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 said the boogie, said up, jump the boogie. You got that? You think we're envious of your yeast infection? Ooh, crowd pleaser. They took the beauty of a Cheez-It cracker. They expanded it uh-huh. into some sort of puff and infused it with pizza. Yes! I like the ratchet strip clubs. I like a little strip club you might get shot in. Oye, ¿qué es eso? If you go there, Hawk, you're going to be like, that place is crazy. Right. And I'm going to be like, bro, I have a great time there. What a crowd pleaser. Dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. I'm pleased. If you want to listen to those Hawkman highlights and Crowder crowd pleasers over and over and over again, you can do so in the form of a podcast. It's absolutely free. Go to the radio.com app wherever you get your podcasts, or you can go to our trusty website, wqam.com. And while you're there, jump over to Twitter and give us a follow at 560wqam and at Dan Day Radio. After that, don't do anything else. It's the weekend. Relax. Enjoy some football. We've got plenty for you on the way. Tomorrow, kicking off at 4 right here in MIA, Hurricanes going to be taking on Central Michigan. The pregame, the postgame, the whole game. 
right here. Then Sunday, 1 o'clock from Big D, it's the Dolphins and the Cowboys. Pre-game, post-game, whole game, you guessed it, right here at 560 The Joe. I think I'm going to go home, maybe drink some Yingling, play on Netflix, listen to some reggae music, catch some sports. You know, do what we do here in South Florida on Friday nights. The weekends. Ah, oh, some people say endless weekends, endless summer. It's always good times here in South Florida. Thank you so much for joining us today. Once again, Hawkman highlights, Crowder crowd pleasers. You can listen to that or any of the things that you hear on this station. Podcasts, 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 podcasts. The beauty of listening on demand. Radio.com app, wherever you get podcasts for absolutely free. Our website, WQAM.com. Those yinglings are calling my name. Sports calling my name, too. Till it be Monday, I am Dan Day. This is the best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.